We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast coming at you late Thursday night. Uh, NBA free agency offseason is underway. The Wolves did not sign Tyus Jones, but they did get another Memphis Grizzly on the team. Kyle Anderson, I've got Chris Harrington here, beat writer for the Grizzlies for the Daily Memphian. Chris, how are you? Do you miss Kyle already? Is that I where what is what is the vibe in, in in Memphis? Are you is there sadness he's gone or not? Well, there's there's sadness in my home because because I love Kyle Anderson. <laughs> um, in Memphis, I'll have to let everyone know in Memphis we developed a sort of an unofficial Kyle Anderson appreciation appreciation society. It's called Kafka, uh, known advocates for Kyle Anderson. <laughs> um, I can't decide where we're going to have the Kafka meetings. Maybe the turf club is the basement of the turf club. So cool. It's been a while for me, you know, maybe I, I mean, uptown or cafe in, in St. Paul is one of my stunt stops. Maybe we'll have a breakfast meeting of Kafka there. You got to figure out where the Kafka meetings are. I, well, this Kafka is going to move to the cities now. I'll take over associate leader. I mean, I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty excited about it from, from a wolf's perspective of, I, I love, I love it for the wolves. I mean, I love it for the wolves. I, yeah, I know you and I talked about Kyle during the series mm-hmm. relative to like how he was being used in that series or could be used, but I can't remember whether we talked about it in terms of him as a as a candidate for the Wolves. But I had that conversation with several people. Mm-hmm. I remember having that conversation with John Hollinger when he was in town during the playoffs. I think Kyle's a great fit for Minnesota specifically. Um, I, I think I think obviously power forward, you know, or other big or however you want to characterize it, next to Towns was one of their weak spots. I think that's a team that needed more defense and needed more passing and playmaking. And Kyle Anderson is a player who gives you both. Um, and I think obviously his biggest weakness is shooting, but I, I think playing with Towns, I mean, they, he and Towns, I think is just a good fit mm-hmm. together. Well, what we were talking about during that Memphis series was we were just talking about matchups, right. And and how Memphis was yeah. going to guard cat specifically. And what I brought up to you is I was like, man, the, the best option of guarding cat this year has kind of been what the Clippers did. And they had Nicholas Batum on them. And I mean, not that Batum and Anderson are have perfectly similar games, 
but they do have very similar body types. And so that was kind of what my thinking was in that series was, you know, Kyle kind of guards like Batum guards. And, and so that, that was, the, that was the, t- that's a different way of looking at it though. Right. That is a against the wolves rather than alongside the wolves. Sure. And, but I mean, Batum in a dream world, I think would have been, I think that's like reasonable cost wise, the, the dream next to cat. Um, but, but Kyle is, is somewhat similar in that he does have that, right. He has that defensive slant and also isn't, he's not a zero on offense. Right. I mean, it's been up and down. He, he's a good, he's a great passer, mm-hmm. a great passer. He's a good ball handler. He can make plays. He can even make plays for himself off the dribble in the half court and, you know, like get to the lane, hit little jump hooks and floaters, that kind of stuff. He's obviously not going to score a lot. He's pretty useless if you just stand him in the corner and try to stretch right. the floor with him. He's better with the ball in his hands. Um and so he's just an, he's a really odd player. I think because he's such an odd player, I think a lot of coaches struggle with him some. I think Chris Finch obviously knows what he's getting. They're going out to get this player who's well into his career. I think they know what he is. And so obviously they have an idea of how to use him and, and maximize him. Um, you know, for the Grizzlies, you know, Taylor Jenkins and Zach Kleiman sort of came in and had him because he was the previous front office that brought him in to play with a different team. That was a Hollinger signing. To play with Mike Conley. Yeah, Hollinger signing. I mean, Hollinger was not the lead decision maker at the time. I do think Hollinger had a lot of sway on that particular signing. Um, But he was, but Kyle was brought into the Grizzlies by a different front office and a different head coach to play with a different group of players. And he sort of made the transition. And it was a little bit of a rocky transition. Um, He, but he had the best season of his career, not this past season, but the year before when Jared Jackson Jr. was out pretty much all year. He started at the four. Had a career year shooting that I don't think he'll repeat again for reasons we could get into if you want. But the thing about Kyle is that because he's such an unconventional player and because he's such a poor shooter and a league that puts a premium on shooting, I think people have a hard time, you know, thinking about him in a positive way or, or, or thinking about him at the level player he actually is. But he does so many, <clears throat> excuse me, so many things well. He's a terrific defender especially a team defender um passer playmaker he's a really good defensive rebounder for his size and one of the things that i think was sneaky key for him with the grizzlies is he was a he was someone who could defensive rebound and create turnovers and he could turn that into offense by himself because sure. he could push off his own defensive rebounds push off his own turnovers and make plays um he, th- he throws great outlet passes it's a sneaky thing with him you know, if you look at the Grizzlies, you'll get like, you know, the pace numbers for specific players. It might surprise you to see that one of the fastest pace numbers was Kyle Anderson. Hmm. It's because of the quick outlet, outlet passes. It's because he he's able to push, even though he's not moving fast himself, Decisive. he's not stopping to look for a point guard when he gets a defensive rebound, right? And I think his high IQ and his varied skills, he's just a player who finds a way to help. He finds a way to get on the floor and a way to help. And he's like the classic, you know, wherever your wherever your your depth chart is bringing a leak, he can help you plug it. If you're having point guard issues, he can sort of play point guard for you. If you're having issues up front, he can sort of play as a big. Uh, he can he can defend on the wing. It's sort of no, you know, whatever issues you're having on, or at any almost any position, you can find a way to use him in your rotation to help. So I don't know what the plan is with him. I don't know if their plan is to make him a starter. I think he's actually a good fit as a starter in that team next to downs. But even if he's coming off the bench, I just think he's a good guy to have on a team trying to win because he will find ways to help over the course of the season in so many different ways. 
So related to that, to, to starting and just position, I, I think that's something for listeners or myself who are more naive to Kyle than you are. I mean, if you just kind of go through and it looks like his, he was in San Antonio more of a small forward. It looked like the first two years in Memphis, right. he was a small forward. But then these last two years, it really shifted to being a power forward. And just in the brief time I've had to go through and watch some clips and stuff, he's he's matched up on opposing fours, it seems like, most frequently, though often used, you know, versa in a versatile way where he's switching and it doesn't he kind of starts on fours but is very able to switch on to other positions would you that say that's accurate yeah no i think that's right they used him taylor jenkins has liked him primarily as power forward defensively certainly um he's got some versatility there and offensively he's it's weird i mean obviously he's best his best position is back a point guard hmm. I, 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 if you ask him what he is he'd probably tell you he's a point guard i think that's what he played like early in his life um he's he's at his best offensively when he has the ball in his hand making plays and he's not good enough to do that as a starter really right. but i mean he can give you secondary playmaking at, at, at the four and you know i think he's a four he defend he, he defensive rebounds well enough to play up front and then defensively he's just versatile and so you can sort of do whatever you need to do with him so it, it was his best defensive rebounding year statistically of his career last year um just from the numbers i've looked at so you still think he's a very strong defensive rebounder for the power forward position i mean this is just a major need for the wolves they were well last in i defense. mean defensive rebound i mean i i would classify him as more of a combo forward type okay. and so i i think I think for his size and for his game, for someone who I think people think of as more of a perimeter kind of player, I think he's, he's a good defensive rebounder. Um, and I think for the group, the power forward who was, who was a bad defensive rebounder and Jerry Jackson Jr., a lot of what they did was like other guys get, getting the ball and pushing the ball. Okay. Kyle Anderson was a big part of that. Anthony Mountain was a part of that and like other players, right? So part of that may be structural to the team. Mm -hmm. Um, but I do think that's a strength of his. I think he's a good defensive rebounder, and I think his defensive defensive rebounding is more impactful because he can push the ball hmm. so effectively off of his own rebounds. So on the offensive side of the floor, um, again, just going through the the four Memphis years, it looks like three bad offensive years, and two years ago, the 2020-21 season, when, when Jackson was out, was his strongest. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, relative to shooting, there's a shoulder thing with Kyle. And his so his four years in Memphis, if if you look at if you look at set aside like his rookie year and you just look at the rest of his career numbers, you'll see that the shooting numbers are generally better in San Antonio, I think, than in Memphis. And I'm not just talking about the three-point shooting, I'm also talking about the free throw shooting. And the free throw shooting to me is a tell of of the fact that it's been a health-related thing in part for him. Because the three-point shooting fluctuation has happened alongside the free-throw shooting fluctuation. And when he came in his rookie, not his rookie year, his first year in Memphis, he was dealing with a lot of shoulder soreness throughout that first year. At the end of the year, he had a surgery, an elective surgery on the shoulder. And I can't remember. I wrote, I wrote, I, I wrote about it at the time. And I can't, I haven't gone back to look. I can't remember what it was called. And I, there are other athletes who have had similar. I think maybe Marco Fultz may have had a similar kind of thing. But they basically removed a bone, like from the top of like his ribs wow. or whatever, um, or you know around you know that collarbone top of the rib area. They basically removed a bone, 
And so his second year of the Grizzlies was coming off the surgery and he was still sort of in a rehab kind of situation, getting used to it. And then year three, he, the hitch was mostly gone and he like, look, he, it, it seemed to not bother him. He felt good with it. And he had the best shooting year of his career. And then we got sort of a preview of coming attractions last season on media day where unprompted, he said something about, well, you know, my shoulder's been bothering me. And I'm just, he, he's a Mets fan, Kyle Anderson is. He said, you know, I, you know, I'm just going to have to be like Jacob deGrom, where it's just always going to be a thing I'm dealing with. And he just sort of said, like, this is just reality. I, I have the shoulder thing. It's going to bother me, and I'm just going to have to play through it. And you could see beyond the numbers when you watched him this last season, you could see the hitch had, co- had come storming back in a major way. And you could see that his shoulder was bothering him. I can't tell you whether that's ever going to get better. Um, the way he talked about it, it sounded like he had just resigned himself to, you know what? The soreness is back. It's just going to stay that way. And so I don't, I wouldn't have any hopes that the shooting is going to bounce back with him as the three point shooter as a free throw shooter. I just think it's going to be a problem and it limits what he can be. I think the Kyle Anderson, the Grizzlies got the year he started in year three is a different Kyle Anderson than what he was last year and what he's going to be with Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the Howie Anderson that, that was the Grizzlies had last year was a good player. And I think he'll be a good player for Minnesota, but he is a good player with some pretty severe shooting limitations. Well, and what, what makes him a good player is uh, the defense probably first and foremost, but he is able to impact the game offensively. He's really good from that, from that floater range, like almost, I mean, almost overall right. a 50% mid range shooter. It looks like in his time in Memphis, which is high level for, for mid range shooting, predominantly floaters, hook shots, like, like you said, yeah, that. it's all it's all it's all that kind of stuff. It's not like pure, like you know, raise up, you know, mid range jumpers for the most part. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Don- Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. 
trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Okay, so I'm, I'm trying to envision this, like, or, and, and uh, you know the Wolves well, too, like, where would you position him on the floor offensively? Let's let's say he is the starting power forward day one. Well, I think when he doesn't have the ball in his hands, it's tricky. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. I, I, I think, you know, I think on that team, I mean, probably one of the issues with the Wolves, and I'll, I'll be interested to see if they address it still this offseason, is they don't really have, other than McLaughlin, I guess, they don't really have a pure point guard. Sure. Like, you know, Beverly's a point guard sized guy who's a three and D guard, basically. And Russell's a ball handler, but more of a scorer. Not. And so to me, I, I, I like the idea of having the ball. I mean, he's not going to be your lead ball handler, but I, I would try to have the ball in his hands a pretty good bit and have him initiating plays and work him that way. Um, other than that, he's, you know, he's going to have to be like a dunker spot kind of guy and just sort of be crafty and like duck in and, and whatever he can't, what you can't do is just stand him in the corner and expect that to be effective. And that's been one of the problems with him. Um, I think that's a, tr- that's a tricky thing for coaches to deal with, I, you know, a, a, a relatively low usage player who is not a good spot up shooter. That's a tricky thing to deal with offensively. I always kind of think about these, like these six, nine ish power forwards that you know can move a little bit as like we talked about this a lot with Jared Vanderbilt the same problem like where do you position him on the floor so the spacing problems you know don't cut in and like the idealized version of Jared Vanderbilt is like if you could play like Ben Simmons on offense right you got actually put the ball in his hands Vando doesn't I mean Vando could pass a little bit and actually can dribble some but not enough to ever be really like top of the key he's creating Kyle, to me, seems like somewhere in between those two where you do have the option yeah. to run, to do more the Simmons thing with him so as to take away some of his limitations as a corner shooter, as just spotting up anywhere on the floor. And I I don't think of Kyle as a great dunker spot player either. Yeah, no. So that I, I, I think I'm kind of, as again, this just happened like an hour ago, I'm processing this all. I, I think that is a, a a good place to to use him to put the ball in his hands a lot. And I think how much they are able to put the ball in his hands will depend on what the backcourt looks like. Is D'Angelo Russell on this team game one next season? If not, if it's more of like an ant is taking more lead ball handling duties, they don't have a, a pure point guard. Then it seems like Kyle could kind of be part of that mix there. That'll probably be what determines whether Kyle starts game one or if it's Vando again, would be my thinking. Yeah, I would assume whether he starts or not, he'll play a lot with bench units. Mm. I think it's easier to get the ball in his hands with with bench units um, than, than, you know, and so maybe his role shifts a little bit, as most players would, shifts a little bit based on who's on the floor with him. I just think he's a tricky player for coaches to deploy. Mm. But the other side of that is he can do so many things. He's got such a high IQ that I just think he finds a way to help in so many different ways that I, I think, for any any team trying to win that isn't just overloaded at his position, I think he would have been a good add. I think Chicago was a place I thought maybe he would have made some sense, hmm. but Minnesota to me was sort of at the top of the list because I don't I think you know I don't think to me Minnesota power forward is one of the weakest units in the league if you're calling Towns a center. Right. How do you feel about the price tag, two eighteen? 
I think it's fine. Um, I actually wondered if it was going to come in a little bit lower than that. I did not think he would get the full MLE, and he got mostly that. I guess saved a little bit to use on our own. Right. Yeah, so I, I think a fair deal. I, I think it's, it sounds about right. It's the kind of deal that I think they'll be happy with what they got. Um, I, I, my, my feeling on Cal at the end of the season was that he would probably end up leaving, that whichever team drafted him would get, would get a good deal off of it. And I don't think that's the kind of contract for him that is that is an obvious bargain, but I think it'll end up being a good deal. So just for, for my listeners, for, for Wolves' purposes, just to go into some of this money stuff, I mean, and Chris talked to you about it too, is like the Wolves have this really nice setup right now where – Cat and Ant don't start new contracts until their max contracts won't click in until 2023. So there's this window next offseason where the Wolves could theoretically add max caps, a player with max cap space. Anderson only adds nine million onto that and shouldn't shouldn't get in the way of that. So that was kind of always that if they were going to go multiple years, I thought it would be for a player like six to nine million dollars, something like that. So I think financially it's a it's a good fit for the wolves as well. Um, am I missing anything on Anderson specifically? You want to talk about Tyus Jones a little bit? Yeah, we can talk about Tyus. I was curious of whether Tyus would be, it would be a target for, for Minnesota. Um, I mean, the last we saw of the wolves was, if I remember correctly, was Dan D'Angelo Russell, not in the game. Mm-hmm. And I remember there being a lot of talk coming out of that game about needing more of a true point guard, uh, on, on that team. Um, and, Tyus Jones, I think, was among the better ones um, on the market. Um, I'd be curious to know whether, and I don't know. I don't know if you know either. I, I do not at this point know. I assume that Tyus had MLE offers out there mm-hmm. and that the Grizzlies trumped that on a per-year basis with the salary they gave them. That is an assumption on my part, not knowledge, that he had other MLE offers. Whether one of those was a Minnesota one, I have no idea. But I, 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 when I looked around trying to find a landing spot for him, that those landing spots were a substantial one, and they 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 filled that spot with Jalen Brunson. I thought the most obvious one was Washington, and they they made the deal um, for Monte Morris, um, and then ended up signing Delon Wright. But made the deal for Monte Morris ahead, and and it got to the point where there was not there was not an above MLE landing spot for Tyus Jones. A lot of people in Memphis just assumed well, he's going to get starter money and get the bag somewhere. And I kept looking around and saying, who well, that sounds good, but where, like, I, I don't, I don't see where this is coming from and it wasn't coming from anywhere. And so I wrote earlier in the week that if he's back and it, it seemed like it was becoming increasingly likely that he might be back the way the market was shrinking. I wrote that if he were back, I, I thought the Grizzlies would, 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 would trump MLE offers by offering more money, but fewer years mm. and basically let him get three year MLE money in two. And then they only have one year of overlap with John Morant's extension that's about to kick in. That seems to be what has happened, but I don't know for a fact there were other offers, but it seems to be based on the contract total that they gave him. He probably did have MLE offers. Yeah. My understanding was that he definitely had MLE offer just because I was asking around about it a little bit from a Wolves perspective of, you know, could they be in the mix there? And, I, I was kind of thinking the same thing of like who was going to offer him more than the mid-level just because there's not a ton of cap space out there. But I, I guess I kind of thought the Tyus number came in a little high, um, certainly I agree. way out of the the Wolves market there because, I mean, they would have had to – it would have had to been a sign-and-trade probably with Beasley or something like that to, you know, to make it happen. But, I mean, just that, – that, go ahead. That, that's, that's exactly the deal I said. When I sort of theorized about potential – 
in games for Tyus Jones. I, if it were Minnesota, some kind of Jones Beasley signing trade is exactly what I suggested. And I don't know if I would have done that if I'm the Grizzlies, but to me that that would have been the way it would have happened. Yeah, it's just interesting, right, Chris? Like the the what is the value of the six foot tall point guard in the NBA these days? You know, like it's it's odd. Yeah, I, I'm not. I mean, I really like Tyus Jones, but I, I felt like Grizzlies fans in particular got sort of you know above their you know in front of their skis or whatever that saying is about <laughs> Tyus this season. Right. To me, he is a backup point guard. He's a good backup point guard. There's no shame in that. Uh, signed him to be their starter. That would have been a short-term situation. They would have been looking to upgrade their point guard position. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I don't think he's going to be a long-term starter anywhere. I think he's a very good backup. He's a good backup who, to your point, is a relatively small backup um, playing behind a John Morant, who's kind of a small starter. And when John Morant misses 25 games, which happened last season, like that's not that big of a deal. But I think it limits the utility playing behind a player like John Moran and Taylor Jenkins played them together and to some good results this season. It has not been good results every season when he's tried that. I'm not a big believer in that combination. Tyus Jones, John Morant together. Um, I don't know what the Grizzlies other options were. They got themselves in a situation where, you know, they traded away to Anthony Mountain on draft night and, you know, behind John Morant, Desmond Bain, they were looking at a depth chart of Kennedy Chandler, who was a second round pick. And Zaire Williams, who's a 6'9", second-year player, they're thinking about playing more at the two this season. Mm. To me, that you can't go into next season like that. They had to add more guard depth. I think they still need to add more guard depth. But it was imperative that you add at least one true veteran guard guard behind Morant and Bain. And by adding to me, you know, bringing Tyshawn's back as an addition, he was not on the roster, he's a free agent. So they had to either bring him back or bring in someone else to give them significant minutes as a veteran, you know, in the backcourt. I don't know if they had better options than, than – um, Tyus Jones. I mean, I sort of imagine some. I think might I might have pursued otherwise. But I don't know if they were ultimately available. And so I do think it's a little bit of an overpay, but it's only on a two-year deal, and it won't that number that number will not matter this season for the Grizzlies. Right. It really only matters for one season. Last thing, um, because I think Memphis and Minnesota kind of overlap here in this idea that both the Grizzlies and the Wolves exceeded expectations last season. Right, two seed, seven seed. And now there's this natural pressure for both teams to kind of re-meet, at least meet the level they were at. Probably for the Wolves, there's the expectation to be a higher seed than than right. the seven. And I, th- there's just like, there's some of that for both the Wolves and the Grizzlies, some of that like Atlanta Hawks, New York Knicks from a year ago, um, sort of like downside potential. Not that that's most likely, but if we're looking at the full swath of what could happen next year, there seems like there's downside for both of them. I mean, the Grizzlies just had the second best record in the NBA. I think that the downside from that is probably likely for the, <laughs> right. the Grizzlies, if we're being honest. I mean, it's hard, it's hard to imagine them having the second best record in the NBA next season. I mean, I mean they underperformed that slightly in the playoffs, but only slightly right. six games against the eventual champions in, in Golden State. I think right now is a little bit of an unsettling moment, for, at least for Grizzlies fans, if not for Grizzlies decision makers. Right. In that you look up and um, you've you've gotten you've said goodbye to two veteran rotation players and the Anthony Mountain Anderson. You've only replaced them with rookies taking at pick nineteen and later. Um, a, a Grizzlies Wolves trade involved in, in one of those. Yeah. Um, and Darren Jackson Jr. is going to miss the start of the season. They're gonna they're not going to take a step back. But we'll see where things go. Yeah, it'll be just interesting to see how the whole Western Conference shakes out. And as we sit here. Not even right. in July yet. Like it, it's hard to say, but I think it's a it's a 
safe bet that the West is going to be better than it was a year ago. And for both the Timberwolves and for the Grizzlies, how they handle this offseason and adding talent or sustaining talent is going to be a huge factor in, you know, continuing to meet those expectations and grow as two of the the younger teams in the league. Um, Chris, really appreciate you taking some time to to come in here late on a, late on a Thursday night. Uh, I'll probably bug you again at once, even if it's just a text or something with some more questions on Kyle Anderson, but I'm, I'm cautiously, I'm cautiously optimistic and on it, the move. And it's, it's always good to have perspective of somebody who's actually, you know, watched all 82 games of him. And it sounds like you're a fan Kafka. Well, not only uh, Kafka, Kafka all the way, not only is, not, not only is Kyle Anderson, I, I think a good basketball player who will be a good fit with the wolves. He's kind of a fun basketball player to watch. Hmm. To me, that matters. Like, you get, you're watching 82, 82 games of basketball. Uh, the fact that he's a quirky player who, like, passes the ball and has a high IQ and sort of moves differently, he's kind of, a, to me, he's a fun player to have on your team if you're watching a team 82 times a year. So I, I would, I would, you know, to me, I would embrace that as well. Yeah, it's like, to be clear, super discount, super poor man's version. But just from what I've seen and when I've watched the Grizzlies is, He's got that same kind of slow, tall funk that Jokic has, right? And just kind of being yeah. able to, you know, see over a defense, can't necessarily sprint through it, but he's going to probably find the guy on the backside of it or the or the corner when they're there. He's a he is a great passer and can create some of his own shots, and that's the side of the ball he's worst worst on. So, it does. It on paper, I mean, we'll see how it all fits together, but it seems like a really good fit for the Wolves. I'm excited. As sort of a part-time Wolves fan, former Wolves fan myself, I'm glad he's going somewhere where I, I'll have a rooting interest in him still. Perfect. Well, thank you, Chris, for doing it. You guys can follow uh, Chris on Twitter. Is it at Chris Harrington? It is. It is. The Daily Memphian. I'm now a subscriber from that series. Uh, so I'll, I'll be reading what you had to write on the Grizzlies here. Uh, thanks for doing this, Chris. Uh again sometime soon. All right. Thanks, Dan. All right. Until then, he's Chris. I'm Dane. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah Green it hard so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah Don't let standards ever, ever bring you down, yeah Hope you dancing like nobody else around, yeah. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com